Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. And happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you all had an amazing week. The weekend is here. You know, it's summer. Let's celebrate. Let's be outside. All the above. But aside from that, you all, I'm so excited for today because we have... One of my favorite organizations and people here, we have Stacey Lent, who is an activist and co-owner of the Stonewall Inn and the CEO of their nonprofit organization, Stonewall Inn Gives Back. And I'm so honored to have them here today to talk about the history of Stonewall, if you're not familiar with it, which is basically the birthplace of pride and where everything kind of broke out back in 1969. So Stacy's here to tell us all about their history, what they're looking forward to, what the Stonewall and Gifts Back is all about. So if you're here and want to learn history and more about the organization and all the amazing things that they're up to and doing, you're in the right place. So grab a notepad, <laughs> notepad, grab a seat and all the above. And let's get into today's episode. And Stacy, welcome. How are you? Thank you. How are you doing today, Colin? I'm so excited to be here with all of you. I know. I'm so I am I feel like I'm ecstatic. So I'm gonna try to be calm and keep focused so I don't get off rambling. <laughs> um, but before we get started with everything fun, we always like to start with the question, um, what the term young influential means to you, and it can be however long or short as you want. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I think the term young influencer means to me somebody who is having an influencer, an influence on culture, politics, and hopefully making an impact and fighting for change. Oh, come on. Short, sweet, and perfect. Right off the bat. <laughs> We're done. Let's all just go home. Yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, so, Stacey, how did you get, can you give us background on how you got involved in this type of line of work and where this passion stems from? Sure. So I grew up um, in a Christian, conservative, small town in the middle of the cornfield in Kansas. Um, it was in the 70s and 80s when it was really tough to be LGBTQ. 
Uh, we, we didn't have young influencers. We didn't even have any representation on TV at that point. So to me, I didn't even know what being a lesbian meant, right? I had no idea. Um, and because I don't want any young person to go through what I struggled with, with my identity um, and everything like that, I knew from a very early age, as soon as I got out of Kansas and, and got to D.C. and New York, that I wanted to, to do this work. And honestly, there's no better platform or vehicle to keep that fight going and to fight for equality than the Stonewall Inn. No, that's that's amazing. And did you like as you went through, did you uh, study something to kind of help you learn more about politics and human rights or how did you kind of continue cultivating that? Yeah. So when I went to school, I actually attended Kansas State and I majored in journalism and I minored in political science. Um, so I've always had this political bent. Um, and when I graduated in 1992, again, dating myself, uh, <laughs> I actually went to D.C. and I knocked on doors for the Clinton-Gore campaign. Um, I absolutely and talked to folks about universal health care before that was like really a, a political hot button. Uh, so for me, I always knew I wanted to help increase change. And as I started to get more comfortable with my um, sexuality, I knew that I just had to make sure that equality would happen and not just for LGBTQ folks, but for all marginalized folks, right? There's always been that kind of passion. Um, and a quick story, also growing up in Kansas, uh, I don't know if, if some of, of you or some of the listeners have ever seen the movie Boys Don't Cry. It won an Oscar based on um, uh, Brandon Tina, who was a trans man who was murdered in Fall City, Nebraska. A true story. And I remember going home um, to uh, my small little town called Bendina, Kansas, which is about 45 miles away from Fall City. And my grandmother still lived there at the time. And I was there when the news broke that um, Brandon was killed for just being who he was. And this happened 45 minutes from my house. And seeing the reaction of how the press picked that up, seeing the reaction of the folks around me, how they picked that up, um, it, it was terrifying. And, and it made me want to stay a little bit closeted. But I also knew that's why I needed to do this work. It was so critical mm -hmm. um, because the reaction was not good from the folks in that community um, in terms of they, they were just like awful things were said about Brandon. And again, this was somebody who was just trying to live their truth. Um, so that was some, a, a big reason also um, that I wanted to do this work and keep that fight going. And that's a true thing. Like, I, I feel like a lot of times, like I'm originally from Texas, and I feel like a lot of times whenever we move to cities like D.C., L.A., and uh, San Francisco that are a little bit more accepting, more open, a lot of people are like, why do you still care about small town Kansas or whatever? But it hits different when it's somebody that from your community, from your hometown. And I feel like a lot of people forget that's like everybody doesn't have that access to go to a metropolitan city like we're in. And people shouldn't have to leave their homes if they don't want to. Like, it's okay if you don't want to leave Kansas and you like everybody should have the right to live their truth and be themselves in their small town or if they want to move to a bigger town. But that's it's uh, that's not okay <laughs> that people should have to. Yeah, leave. 100%. yeah. And that's been one of my big, um, big platforms because I came from there. Right. And I want to go back and advocate. And um, I even did a TEDx talk about folks, the brain drain of small towns, because not just LGBTQ folks, but any marginalized folks that didn't feel like they fit in those towns um, and younger folks are just leaving. Mm -hmm. So I compared it to LGBTQ young people were actually killing themselves at the same rate of small towns were dying. And there's actually this correlation. 
And there's an ability if these smaller towns would just be more open and more welcoming to the LGBTQ community, A, it would stop suicides, and B, they could actually survive as well. Uh, and I think that's a really important correlation. And I've personally tried to use my platform to always fight for those stu- those places where it's still tough to be LGBTQ, mm-hmm. even in 2023. Uh, because here in New York, the one thing that I always say that we have, even though different races, different religions, different, you know, culture backgrounds, every nationality exists here in New York. The one thing that we all kind of share is geographic privilege. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think that uh, we have to remember. And uh, small towns, not not just here in the U.S., but places in Uganda, places like Uganda, Iraq, all over the globe, there's places where people just can't be their authentic selves. Uh, and, and we've got to remember that we're, we're sometimes in echo chambers, bubbles and, and geographic privilege in these cities. No, that's so true. And like moving forward, like, can you give us for people who are listening and, and aren't familiar with Stonewall, can you give us a little background on Stonewall and and how like a little bit about what it is today and kind of the history of it? Sure. So the Stonewall Inn um, was a, a bar located. It still is a bar, but I mean, talking past tense, but a bar located in Greenwich Village that opened in 1966. Um, it was very common for the mafia to own LGBTQ bars back then because it was actually illegal to serve an LGBTQ person a drink. And you kind of remember, that's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. It seems crazy, right? Like you couldn't even go into a bar and be out if you identified as LGBTQ and even order a drink. Crazy. Um, so, so the mafia owned the Stonewall Inn and often paid off the police. So, and they owned a lot of LGBTQ bars throughout the country because they would pay off the police and were able to get around this law and everything like that. Uh, and I also think for that for other numerous reasons, they they saw they saw money in our community, but. Funny enough, a lot of those bars, including Stonewall, were original safe places because they were the only places we could go and, and be who we who we are, love who we wanted to love and express our, our gender identity. Um, during that time period, it was also illegal for folks to wear three articles of clothing that didn't match their gender. Like right now, I can be arrested because I'm you know wearing just jeans, t-shirt, things of that nature that are more aligned with the, uh, the masculine gender. So again, so many different laws and, and, and things that existed back then. Um, so in 1969, uh, on June 28th, um, the police raided the Stonewall. They often had raids. Uh, they would come in and it would, the raids would typically occur if the mafia forgot to pay them off that week. And that's kind of what happened at Stonewall. Mm-hmm. They forgot to pay him off. So they came in and raided the bar. And what they would do is they would arrest people um, who didn't have the, the articles of clothing that matched their gender, take them downtown, throw them in jail. And on this particular night, um, the, the patrons absolutely decided they've had enough and they fought back against the police. They, they started chanting, you know, gay power, we're here, we're queer. And it was one of the, the first times where uh, LGBTQ folks stood up. Um, the riots lasted for five days. Straight allies came down and poured out into the street and everything like that. It was just like a significant turning point because the community was fed up. Um, I think also it probably happened because it was, there was, it was a hot night. Um, there had been lots of different civil unrest in the 60s, I think, that led to that moment. Um, and the police were actually barricaded inside. 
Um, and thousands of people gathered out in the streets and, you know, and chanted and cheered and threw bottles and, and, and again, just organized after that. Um, there was only two LGBTQ organizations prior to the Stonewall riots. A year later, in 1970, there were only 200. Wow. And I think it's because it gave the ability because um, New York City was such a large TV market and it got covered in the press more than some of these other things that happened prior in Philadelphia or even the sip in at Julius's or in San Francisco. There were prior moments when the community fought back. But this is considered the spark because it got so much press. So somebody like me in Kansas, I wasn't alive then, <laughs> um, but somebody like me in Kansas could see Wow, I'm not I'm not alone. There are other folks out there like me. Uh, and look, in New York City, they're fighting back. They're saying that's it. I have a right to exist. I have a right to be in my safe space. I have a right to to dance with uh, somebody of the same sex. All these things, and and so that's kind of how it just it it it, it caught fire. Um, also, a year later in 1970, they decided to have a march from Stonewall. Um, up to Central Park and was called the Gay Liberation March. And that is widely considered the first ever Pride Parade. So that's why Pride is literally celebrated typically in June all over the world. Uh, some countries are doing, you know, October, you know, LGBTQ History Month or other ones. But typically it's celebrated in June all over the world because of the Stonewall riots and what happened at Stonewall. And uh, um, it's, it's it's and what's reminded me of that. Uh, not to interrupt you, but what's crazy is how people forget that the purpose of it and just treat it now as just like a party. Like whenever people say <laughs> it, that, just like it irks my soul. Whenever people are like, "Oh, it's just a party," so when he said that, I'm like, "Oh, I can't stand when people are like, oh, it's just it, a party.'" It, it was born of a protest, right? A hundred percent born of a protest, and 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 a lot of uh, folks don't also know that it was a lot of. Uh, you know, trans women, trans women of color. It was a lot of homeless LGBTQ youth leading that charge out there riding for days and then other folks joining in. So yeah, Pride was born from a protest. And I I think this year, to your point, you know, we've got over close to now 500 bills, uh, you know, at the state level that folks are trying to act into laws, uh, especially targeting the trans community. So I think I think you're going to see us go back to our roots a little bit here, I hope, mm-hmm. in Pride celebrations uh, across the country and and make it more of a protest and, and, and talk about resistance and activism. And, and really, you know, it, Stonewall and Pride was born out of activism and, you know, fighting back. And now woof, we really need to fight back more than ever. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mm -hmm. And like just like recently, there's like you said, there's been so many laws against drag queens and just where people are just saying just crazy things. And it's like we really are under attack to be just frank. Like, so I feel like it's now more important than like you said, like people realize where it's like pride started out of activism. So it's like, yeah, have fun, party or whatever, but like, don't forget why we're doing it. So I feel like a lot of times when we're talking to people, they're like, oh, we don't need to do that anymore. Like, we're good. We have our rights and stuff. And it's like, um, no, like <laughs> none of us are free until we're all free. Like our community is still under attack. So just because like you might not be a drag queen or trans or anything does not mean that like you should just be sitting in the back like, oh, I'm good. I'm not affected. Whatever. It's like, no, we're all under attack. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and especially this year, right? And I think like because the country is so polarized, our community and especially our trans, gender nonconforming, non-binary uh, folks in the community are being used as political pawns mm-hmm. to 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 really rally up um, um, some some far right conservative voters, and and we're being used as political pawns, uh, and, and our existence should not be utilized in that way, right? It's just crazy. And that's exactly what's happening. And the fact that these laws are actually, I mean, these bills are actually becoming laws in certain states, Mississippi, Texas, Tennessee. I mean, we're seeing it throughout the South uh, and, and throughout the Midwest. And, and that's why it's so important to, to fund grassroots activists and organizations on the ground in those states, because they're really, you know, the battle that started uh, in front of Stonewall in 1969, that battle is far from done, mm-hmm. right? That, that fight continues. And we've got to make sure that we have we have folks on the ground, um, you know, keeping up that fight. And I feel like that's why it's more important that we have these, like, spaces like Stonewall and other places. A lot of times people are like, oh, like, we can all just, we don't, we don't really need queer spaces. Like, that's irrelevant. Like, everybody's open and stuff. And it's like, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, we're, like you said, we are far from that. Like, those spaces and communities are still very vital and very important to this day. Like, that's never going to not be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, now, like I said, even a push, a, a bigger push for more safe spaces because because of this and, and because, you know, hate crimes are on the rise, too. Right. I mean, and we're seeing this at community centers, at bars, at drag story hour, you know, everywhere all across the country. You know, the Proud Boys or other far right groups are, are rolling in. Right. And and it be, can become dangerous mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it can do that. So. Safe spaces were once where we found our chosen family and celebrated joy, and they can, should continue to do that. But safe spaces were needed, um, and that's where our pride movement and activism began at Stonewall, out of one of our original safe spaces. But we need them now more than ever, and everyone has to continue to support those places, support those bars, support those shows, and come out and make sure that we keep these safe spaces open. No, I, I completely agree. And um, 
One thing that you just reminded me is like uh, going back to like our pride comments earlier. I feel like one thing that's really annoying that a lot of brands do is they forget that activism part. And it's kind of just like, oh, yay. That just like you like puts the rainbow and everything be like, oh, yay, gay. And then like July 1st rolls around and it's like back to normal. Like it like it never like that month never happened. Like everything's whatever. And, it, and it's kind of annoying. And I feel like Gen Z and a lot of us other young ones, like we're calling brands out more than ever now. There, it's like, hey, you can't just show up for 30 days and then call it quit July 1st and take all those posts down, change the logo and it's annoying. hundred <laughs> percent. And that's why through, you know, the nonprofit, um, which is called the Stonewall Inn Gives Back Initiative, it's the official and only nonprofit of the Stonewall Inn. And I'm the CEO of that nonprofit and I run it pretty much out of the bar. Um, but we really call brands to the carpet as, as call them out as well and really say, okay, you can't just do that. So what can you do to support us 365 days a year and things of that nature? Because rainbow capitalism and rainbow washing is real, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing that 100%. So we actually came up with a designated safe spaces program where bars, venues, companies, businesses that say they support equality, we actually make sure that we hold them accountable to it. And we designed it based on 10 criteria that we found out from LGBTQ folks in the toughest places to be LGBTQ in the U.S. and had these conversations and said, what do you expect businesses, brands, again, bars, venues to do to really show their support? So it's not about really just creating safe spaces. It's making sure that brands that say they are on the side of equality actually are. Mm -hmm. And some of those things are, yeah. Don't just throw up that rainbow logo in June. Support us 365 days a year. Um, don't just like market to us. Put your money where your mouth is and give back to LGBTQ nonprofits, right? Mm -hmm. We also talk about making sure that you have a gender neutral bathroom somewhere on site. Um, giving training around and some kind of pronoun policy. You know, it's just some basic things. And one of the biggest ones that a lot of brands, especially in the U.S., are failing at now, do not donate to anti-LGBTQ politicians. Mm -hmm. And you see that everywhere. Again, so many businesses, Rainbow, Rainbow June, and then July, they give $100,000 <laughs> to a conservative in Texas who wrote the drag law, right? Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. Uh, and we've actually... I've got to speak at some large corporate gatherings where with, you know, 500 brands in the room where I literally said, if you do not get on the side of equality, you will not exist in 20 to 30 years because Gen Z will not tolerate it. Mm -hmm. They're not going to take, they're not going to, as a consumer, they're not going to buy your product. They're not going to stay at your hotel. They're not going to fly on your airplane. Um, so, and, and this is not just LGBTQ Gen Z, this is all a Gen Z, where you're straight, gay, whatever. Mm -hmm. They are not going to tolerate that. So you better get on board or you're not going to get that younger consumer. And as they age, that's not going to change, right? Yeah. So. No, I, I completely agree. I feel like a lot of times parents are like, they expect people, because like, I feel like in the past we used to be like, oh, that's annoying and not really, and still continue to either buy that product or go to that hotel or whatever. And I feel like nowadays everybody's like, nope. No, we're not doing yeah. that. Like right. yeah. we saw, we saw where you guys donated to X, Y, and Z, or we saw that you guys immediately at midnight on July 1st changed that logo, changed everything, and you're not really implementing it. And I feel like we are still seeing, we're now seeing brands be more cognizant of that, but I feel like 
a lot of brands are still saying like, we don't know how to do that. Or we don't. And I'm like, it's as simple as stop feeling like you have to only use um, a same sex couple or whatever in June. Like you can use them in your um, advertisement year round, or you can put the brand mission. Like what I like seeing now is there's certain brands that I like where I can easily go to their website and see where they donate to PFLAG or when different states are having their issues, be like, hey, buy, like this is the product that we're doing to support X, Y, and Z and how they've left it up now a year later and stuff. And I feel like that's also key where people can easily go on your website or whatever and your social media and see that, okay, this is something that they stand for multiple months, years, where it's not just something that shows up as a dot on like um, pride or whatever. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons why, you know, again, especially marketing to us, besides like the China, China, U.S. Um, and Russia in terms of GDP, LGBTQ folks across the globe have more money than most countries in spending power. So that's why everyone markets to us, especially <laughs> right? I mean, that's just it. It's basic we know how economics. to save. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Basic economics, but you know, I, I yeah, same thing. I, I would suggest doing that in December, right, and not just June, and and, and that's what it has to be. But it's um, I, I think we're also seeing that becoming um, political. And and again, if you're throwing up those rainbow logos in June, or you're doing a pride event, you've got a massive platform as a corporation. We need you now. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, not, and again, not this this month, but we need you this year and we need you maybe to start thinking about, hey, just what Disney did. I'm not going to open or mm-hmm. create jobs or expand my business in the state of Florida. Right. They were taking all these folks from California, setting up a new park area. And that was a I think it was a one billion dollar deal that DeSantis mm-hmm. bought because mm-hmm. Disney said, I'm going to stand on the right side equality, 8 million other things that he's, you know, a marginalized group that DeSantis is trying to erase. And I think that's cool. And I I would challenge or want to see more corporations use their platform to talk about these awful laws and give us support because we definitely are under attack this year. And when like, for I know you mentioned the um, how it gives back and like how you guys work with brands. Like, is there whenever a brand approaches you, is there like a particular process that you all do to kind of walk them through and be like, hey, these are some blind spots that you guys are missing out on? A hundred percent. Because again, Stonewall is, I think my partners and I, there, there's four of us that own it. And and, and my uh, main operating partner of the bar is also the co-founder of this nonprofit with me. And we take this responsibility, like Stonewall is a brand too, right? Stonewall mm-hmm. Inn is the most recognized LGBTQ. It's the movement. We take this super seriously. So if we're going to partner with somebody, we absolutely go through a vetting process. And part of that is becoming that safe space. Probably a Stonewall Inn gives back initiative safe space making sure your employees have training, you're promoting LGBTQ folks. It's an entire 10 step process that some of that I went over, but yeah, we'll absolutely say, okay, you're missing this element. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And we have absolutely walked away from partnerships where we didn't feel like they were really supporting the community or they were supporting the community in terms of intersectionality or supporting the community by really focusing on where we're being attacked, which is trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming folks. So we absolutely vet those brands. And, and a lot of people will say, well, why do you even part corporations are evil? Why do you partner mm-hmm. with them? And the reality is we can use those platforms and I, to be to be as blunt as possible to do the work. It takes money. Mm-hmm. Right. And it takes funding. And I would rather take that funding to do our work and to make a difference and make change from a corporation or a company instead of an LGBTQ person itself. Mm-hmm. 
I'll take that money all day long and give it back to grassroots activists. And some days I get to feel like Robin Hood with it, right? I'm going in and taking it. <laughs> and I love that, right? So it's that's a cool thing. And, and, and again, um, I think if we can partner with brands in an authentic, real way, um, it can create win-wins if we can get them to use their platform, donate their money, donate their resources and time. And again, that has to happen 365, not just pride. Exactly. And I feel like one thing that I really like about spaces like Stonewall and growing up, like other um, queer spaces and bars and stuff that I would go to is they were just so active in the community, whether it was partnering with different organizations to do runs and walks and stuff. Like, do you have any examples of um, community activations or activities that you all do um, throughout the year to really like get involved with the community beyond just um, the village, but like yeah, so, yeah, a hundred percent. So the bar itself through the nonprofit, we do a lot of that work, but even the bar itself, um, ever since we, you know, we all bought it in 2006, it, it was closing um, and it could have become literally a Starbucks for real. And oh we gosh. all stepped in to buy it to save history. But through, since 2007, we started having Stonewall gives back like nights, I guess, where we would partner with, yeah, Trevor Project, Ali Forney Center, GLAD, all these incredible nonprofits, right? So we've been doing that. Space was always donated for free. And so many celebrities and performers would want to come for us. So we've hosted thousands of charity fundraising events, um, um, you know, up until this date. And then we, when we formed our own nonprofit in, in 2017, mainly because we wanted to use our platform to fight in places like Iraq, Uganda, um, you know, all over the globe, Texas, Tennessee. So we've raised close to $1.2 million for grassroots organizations through activations at the bar itself. Um, so we've done um, massive drag shows. We've had major celebrities. Taylor Swift was there in 2019 and donated $50,000 Stumble and Gives Back initiative through our partners at AEG and used her platform to, to help us. I mean, we've had so many different events and things that have gone on. It's hard to think of just one, mm-hmm. um, but we've definitely are constantly doing it all the time. And through the nonprofit, we can really give back and continue that fight. And for my last question, what advice do you have for brands or other organizations who are le- asking like, oh, Stacy, I love this, but I don't know how to, where to start to show up for um, the community beyond the day? Like what advice do you have for them who are like, what can I do today? Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of brands or stores or venues and, and folks that, that and it's the smaller businesses that want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why we created kind of the safe spaces um, program because it guides you through what, exactly what our community said, not just to, it's called safe space. I would argue it's probably should be called safer spaces because in 2023, there's no place that's really safe, mm-hmm. literally. No, honestly. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> right? So that's it. So, but what it does is it really gives them what our community asked for. And we had focus groups with youth organizations in Nashville. We had focus groups with folks in Mississippi. We had focus groups with undocumented immigrants at the Rainbow Borderland Center in El Paso, Texas. Um, We worked with an all-Black trans organization in Alabama because, again, I'm sitting in New York with geographic privilege, white privilege, cis privilege, as a lesbian, but so many privileges. We wanted to find out who were the most marginalized amongst us because what they think is a safe space is a safe space. Mm -hmm. What they think a brand should do is exactly what a brand should do. And we got that input and put it all together. I love that. Thank, well, Stacy, thank you so much for just informing us with so much knowledge and really giving us a lot to think. And I feel like 
as uh, other brands who are listening, you've given them some great tools and resources to kind of really think about considering themselves as they're getting ready for social strategies for pride and just branding and stuff to kind of, like we said, put the activism back into what pride is, not just a party and whatever. <laughs> and for, and for the, and for the, the young listeners, maybe not associated with that, like use your, use TikTok, use Instagram, use your power uh, to continue to be a young influencer because we all need you right now. We need you to pick up that torch that Marsha P. Johnson, Silver Rivera and folks had on Christopher Street in 1969. It was led by the youth. We all need you to keep that fight alive because we're seeing our rights being rolled back right now and we've got to keep that fight going. Agree. Well, Stacy, thank you so much. Thank you. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. Pleasure. Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.